Kelsey, thank you so much for spending time with, with ANZ Blue Notes today. Um, great to have you in the country um, with us. Awesome, great to be here. Um, I'm going to start off with a very simple and easy question because um, there may be people listening to this today that have never heard of Kelsey Hightower. Um, so could you tell us a little bit about your role at Google and what does a day in the life look like for Kelsey? Yeah, so I consider myself a technologist. You know, There's all kind of roles in our industry. I've had a lot of them myself, but these days I'm more curious about the intersection between humans and how tech is used to serve those various needs. So my day-to-day looks a little bit like visiting customers like you all on a 16-hour flight from the U.S., a lot of in-person, a lot of whiteboard stuff. But the biggest component is shaping our products. Okay. We need to figure out the right things to build and when to build them. And so that's our biggest challenge. We can build anything, but we want to build the right thing. And so my job is to help us do that across all the teams in cloud. So I started what we call an empathetic engineering program. And this is where we have our software engineers actually use our products in the same context that a customer does. So when I'm spending time with you all here, I'm always listening. Yep. How are you building things? What have you built? What's difficult? What's not? What do you wish we had? And so I try to aggregate that along with others into a cohesive narrative that we can use to dictate what our roadmap is. And so that feedback loop combined with empathy. So it's one thing to say A and Z really needs these features so that they can do what they need to do with their customers. And it's another for our own engineers to say, yeah, it should definitely work that way because I've tried it with my own hands and I understand why. So that's kind of the big goal there. I used to work in financial services in 2009 to 2012. Yep. And I had a lot of the jobs and roles that you all have at ANZ. So when I give advice, I'm giving it from a place of experience and knowing how hard it is. Even if you have a working solution, that isn't the hardest part in an environment that's heavily regulated. There's existing platforms that already make you money or are considered successful. So to come in and say, hey, we want to do it a different way, there are way more challenges than just the technical ones. So on the empathy side, it's really just listening. And what I was very impressed by, when I met with your team the first time, I think in 2018, we basically had a whiteboard session like over a course of two days. And we brought in everyone from InfoSec to the people that manage the network firewalls. And we said, hey, we're all going to get together and no excuses. And we put the big picture on a whiteboard. And I remember one of the executives saying, wow, that's the first time I've seen everything in one place. And it's very hard to know what will happen next. It's good to spend that time. It's good to get the big picture. But it's incredibly hard to go execute on that vision. And I remember the sequent years being invited to the uh, design doc sessions. I remember that was another (laughs) cultural element we add and say, hey, what if we wrote things down in a way that we can get feedback from other people outside of the company? Mm. And just watch you all execute on that, inviting other people, being open to feedback, sometimes is negative. Yeah. And then fixing things. And the last thing I'll say here, too, is your team has also helped us mature our own platforms. You go to build a bank in the cloud. There are things that we haven't thought of yet. And in collaboration with you two, we end up shipping that. So not only does that work well out for you all, but the entire financial uh, industry has you all to think for that innovation. And and Kelsey, you you mentioned there the the journey that we've been on, right? We we effectively started in 2018. quite an open-ended question here, but over the time that you've spent with the ANZ Plus team specifically, what have been some of the insights and learnings that you've got from from working with us? And again, I know there's a lot that we've got from you, but you're on the, you're on the question seat today. So what have you seen from us that you've gone, this is awesome, or this could be better, or this week we could learn a lot Well, from I'll, this? I'll tell you, so as a cloud provider, we have to try to accommodate tens, if not hundreds of thousands of customers in yep. different verticals and lines of businesses and that can lead to decision paralysis. So right, so your team comes to our platform, and it's like a kid in a candy store. Yeah. 
right? You want to buy all the things. Yes. And so I think having to make a decision on what things that you don't need can be tough. And I think getting past that decision paralysis was the biggest thing that I've learned is that the way we present our platform is we just, we present all of the possibilities, whatever you can imagine. But sometimes that is not very helpful when it's time to make a decision. And so I think I think I've learned the most is that when we kind of give feedback, it's very important for us to make sure that we try to narrow the scope to a point where you can make a better decision. So I think that's the thing that I think all of us have learned to do a better job of is to make sure that we have context before the meeting yeah. and prescribe things down narrower lanes, knowing that we can pivot when the time comes. And the other thing I would say is uh, you're living proof that you can actually do it. Right? I remember meeting your yeah. team. We're going to do Golang, GRPC, Spanner. We're like, wow, that's all the latest and greatest stuff that we have. Are you really going to be able to do that as a financial institution coming from the situation with all the regulation and existing platforms? And then you did it. Yeah. We went from demos to I think I just got a demo with someone that's a real customer yes. with a thing in their pocket saying, here it is. And you look at it and you can see it there. So anyone that's ever built anything before, you understand there's a progression, right? These things take time. But to see something real that you've actually given to a customer, that's how you know you've actually hit the full success criteria we set out to do years ago. So I think a lot of people, the industry uses journey way too much. Yeah. And then you ask them where they're going, it's like, ah, oh, we don't know. So imagine just seeing people walking around the street in the circle, like, hey, where are you going? It's like, I don't know. I'm on a journey. <laughs> it's like, well, journeys are much better when there's a destination. And so I think along the way, you've always had a vision and a destination in mind. So I still find it very impressive that after these years, you've kind of gotten to that point. And my guess is whenever you get to a destination, now you've got to figure out what's the next one. And this is where I think the journey becomes practice, yeah. right? So no longer are these going to be huge multi-year milestones. They're going to be small deltas, and it's just going to be the way you walk. Can I ask something on, on that? Because we talked about the journey, and, and you mentioned the journey and the fact that we've taken gone on that together what do you think some of the things that we need to look out for, though? What's some of the pitfalls that we could fall into now that it's live with, with customers? What are the things that you've seen that organizations like ourselves have made mistakes? Well, you know, I think everyone wants to get to a point where it's finished. Yep. Everyone has like, wow, when we're done, we can use this for the next decade. That's over with. Yep. We're never going back to that. Because the world now, the way we're so customer-centric, every business when another bank has a new product and feature, they're going to be asking you questions, your customer. And it's so easy to switch yep. suppliers and vendors and partners that you have to keep up. So now I think the biggest thing is that you're not really getting to a destination so you can set up a camp. You're, setting, you're getting to this destination so you can figure out what the next one is. And so I think the teams that have thought they're just going to um, transform, think about this transformation. Those are like two checkpoints, butterflies or caterpillars transform into butterflies. Yep. But that won't be the end for you all. This will be eventually a practice. So you're going to go from using the word journey and transformation to this is just the way we practice. We have a feedback loop with our customer base. We know what features they want. We know what things would improve their life. And we're going to give it to them. Once you get that and that's unlocked, then that becomes just how you operate as a technology company. And I think everyone strives for that. Um, a lot of the people that make up this team are, are software engineers. And software engineering, software engineers are big in the market at the moment. And every organization is out there in the market trying to attract software engineers. Um, but it can't just be about attracting software engineers with the highest compensation packages. And so I guess my question to you is, in your role and the way in which you deal with organizations like ourselves, what do you see as being the best way to attract engineers and keep engineers, retain them? Because it's not just about the money. 
It's about other things. There's culture, the tool sets. I'm going to be real clear and represent for all my engineers out there. You got to get the money right or there's no conversation. <laughs> yeah. So once you get the money right, and I think now what we're finding as an industry, there are a lot of companies that can get the money yeah. right. So no longer do you have a strategic advantage that you can pay slightly more than another company can. So when you start to neutralize the, the compensation component, why do good people choose things to work on? And typically they want something that can hold their interest, yep. period. And so if I come somewhere and I take my talents and you don't give me any interesting, anything interesting to work on, then I have no choice but to go find it somewhere else. So ideally if I'm at the same company, maybe I switch teams. Yep. Maybe I switch projects. And if that fails, then I have to switch companies. So if you're going to ask for the best talent, you better have the best problems. And a lot of people are expecting transparency these days. At Google, we have this phrase, uh, respect the opportunity. But I can't respect something that I don't understand. So if you think about most job descriptions today, they have no clue on what you'll be working on. Mm. We need someone with 10 years of experience and random things that you would find random on Random coding frameworks, all that. Yeah, yeah so exactly. basically at that point, you're just saying, we're not even hiring people anymore. We're literally hiring robots that can conform to the job description. <laughs> when you're hiring a person, then you talk to a person. Are you the type of person that wants to work on these things? We believe financial access is the key to people realizing their various dreams, and if you can help bring them to life. Here's what you will be working on. And if you don't see what you want to work on this list, then you're probably the right person for us because we can't imagine what we've never seen before. And if that's you, then you should apply. So I think once our industry starts to understand is that you got to start hiring people, yeah. and those people are looking for those signals. And I think this is why in our industry – most people are hired based on referrals. Yeah. Because job descriptions are no longer good enough. I got to say, hey, I used to work with this person, and I would love to work with that person again, so they should join my organization. So we just got to go from hiring robots to hiring people. What do you look for? What does you're talking about the people versus robots element, but, and that's from an organization perspective. But what does Kelsey look for? Well, what would you look for? So for those listening, you got to have context. I've been in this game for 20 years. Yeah. If you ask me in my first year, I just wanted a job so I can actually help pay some bills. <laughs> and survive. Yep. In mid-career, I wanted to prove myself and be accepted by this industry right. where maybe people that look like me don't work. Yes. So today, the challenge that I want that I'm, I think is more important is how do humans have a better relationship with technology? It pains me that some people, if you look at their screen time on their phone, it's measured in 40 to 60 hours a week. Mm. They have no idea what type of trees grow around their house. True. That's unfortunate. We're not meant to live in front of a screen our whole lives. So that's a bad relationship with technology, in my opinion. So when someone presents a problem to me that shows me a way that we can make technology kind of disappear and assist humans, then I'm all over that. It's a very empowering, uh, empowering thing, like just the fact that people can start to make decisions based on data. So being at Google, we're really good at this whole data analytics thing. But watching the customer's eyes light up where we tell them where the problem is, when we're working with cities and we say, this part of your city has the most smog because of traffic. Yep. You need to change this traffic light. If you swap that traffic light, then there will be less traffic, then less pollution in this part of the city, and then all the people with asthma in this part of the city will breathe better. Yep. These are things that actually aid human beings. So for me, what I'm looking for are things that actually change the way people get things done. And so that's the thing that motivates me, inspires me now. So that's the opportunity that I can respect. You mentioned that in your middle, middle of your career, getting to a, a part in your career where you were doing things that people like yourself, that, that didn't look like yourself, um, were in those sorts of roles. 
And it's something that we grapple with a lot with diversity in technology. And, and it's very, I know it's a very cliche question, but I'd kind of be interested in your answer. How do you, how would you go about if you had a blank slate of how do we increase diversity? And I'm not just talking diversity, gender diversity, but um, diversity of thought, diversity of race within technology, because we all struggle with this element of that there is this kind of person that you would say is a technologist and isn't. Yeah, so I think it's unfortunate in tech, we spend a lot of time acquiring skills so we can get the job that matches the HR description. Remember, good human isn't ever a requirement on yeah, most job descriptions. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So most of us have been optimizing for the role. And so I think it's very important that, you know, a lot of people spend a lot of time to become like a senior engineer, but then they remain a junior human being. And it's unfortunate. So I think in our, in, our, in our lives, we actually prefer diversity by default. When you ask yourself, I want to go out to eat, you do not want anything that you already know how to cook. You don't want something that's already in your refrigerator. So you seek something that is different. Yes. And then when you go there, you want to be included. You would like a nice seat at the table. You would like someone to explain to you the menu that you've never seen before. And so now you get the diversity, and then you also get the inclusion. And then when you get the inclusion, and then they will ask you, well, how was your meal? Like, it was a bit too spicy for me, or I love that dish. And you may go home and learn how to make it. So your whole life has gotten better because of this diversity, because you were treated right when you went there. Everyone has great memories from their vacation where they went somewhere else and saw something new. And so, unfortunately, we haven't realized that that's how work should be. It's really cool to get someone with a different perspective to join your team, and it's your job as a team to get the best from that person by letting them be themselves. And that's where you get the best ideas. Have you ever thought about this? No, we haven't. And then you end up with better products. So I think what we have to do is realize that by default, humans like diversity, humans like conclusion, It's just that we forget how to practice it in our everyday lives where we take things for granted. Thank you so much for your time today. I think I've learned a lot and I'm sure people are listening today have learned a lot from So thank you for joining ANZ Blue Notes and hopefully we see you in person again soon. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Thank you.